Amen. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. A little loud. And Josh will pass one out to you. If you don't need a Bible, Acts chapter 20 this morning. Anyone need a Bible? One hand there. Any more hands is great. We usually preach from the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so it's good to have a Bible. <laughs> it's always good in church to preach from the Bible, right? So we're going through a series about the words of Jesus. I'm going to shake it up a bit today. We're going to do the words of Jesus, but not from the Gospels. Oh my. Is that possible? Yes, it is. If you read your Bibles and you look for red print, we're not going to go into Revelation, but the early chapters of Revelation, there's a lot of red. And in the book of Acts, occasionally you will see some red print as well in regards to what Jesus said. So we've attacked topics like follow me. He said that. And last week we talked about his words to people, his disciples, the crowd, which said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We talked about legalism and thinking and believing that God isn't alive and working today. And today we have just a few words from Acts chapter 20, and probably you're very familiar with them, but it will be a good reminder for you, I'm sure, or maybe something new for you as well. So if you're in Acts chapter 20 this morning, I'm actually going to start in verse 32. I'll read through verse 35. I'll give a little history, and then we'll learn from what Jesus said. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. He's speaking to the elders. He stopped by to give them a little encouragement before he departs. He was passing through, and he's speaking to them, and he's giving them warnings and encouragements. And he says this in verse 32, So now, brethren being the elders and leaders in the church of Ephesus, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many have heard that before? Many times, that's right. So a reminder, and some might quote it, it is better to give than receive, but the actual wording is, it's actually in the Greek, it is more happy or you will be happier to give than to receive. Now often I remember people saying this to me in my life and I say, no, that's not the way it works. Especially when I was a young child at Christmas. I was not thinking about giving presents, I was thinking about receiving presents. And maybe on my birthday as well, but I found usually on birthdays or Father's Day, and even Father's Day for me, sometimes we build up these expectations of who we think we are and what we deserve. When people give us something, we're disappointed. Can you believe that? Have you ever been disappointed at Christmas? Because you set these expectations of what you think you are and what you think you deserve? Well, I had enough of that on Father's Day, and I decided I learned from a mentor of mine in New Jersey, I'm going to give on Father's Day rather than receive. It was funny, this year we went to a movie. 
And we were talking about it with my kids the other day, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we took you to the movie on Father's Day. And I was like, well, that's funny, because it showed up on my credit card. <laughs> but the reality was, I think I was the happiest guy in the theater, other than my wife, because it was about the Incredibles, and, of course, the wife is the hero. And the enemy is all about screens, and she hates screens in our house. So I said, honey, this should have been the Mother's Day gift. It was perfect. <laughs> but anyways, as you get older, you come to realize, I think, or as you mature, you feel much more joy and happiness in giving more than you do in receiving. But we battle our flesh, and we battle the world, which says to us very clearly, I deserve something. I deserve to receive something. I want something. But God has something so different for us in our attitude. But this morning, I don't really want to talk to you necessarily about money. Occasionally, we talk about money at Northgate, but only when the scripture does. We don't even take an offering here. We have a box because we believe that God can provide. And I believe that money in this section isn't the issue. It's the heart of the individual. You're either a giver in life or you're a taker. And when you look at money and what you're giving and what you should or shouldn't give, it's just a little bit of a symptom of what's in your heart. If you have a hard time giving, the problem is in your heart, not in your bank account. And the reality is a lot of us says, well, I would give if I would have more. If I had more resources, if I made more money, oh, I would give more. If I had more time, I would help more people. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever said that before? Well, don't say it out loud. Anyways, if I had more time, I could help the poor. If I had more time, I'd do more at church. If I could do more financially, I would. But you don't understand where I'm at, Pastor, and things are difficult. Well, I think God knows where you're at. And I'm not so much worried about your money. But as I mentioned, I am concerned about my heart and your heart. Because God would desire for your own happiness, your own blessing that you would be a giver with all your resources. Forget money, your time, your things, your gifts, your abilities. However you want to fill it in, God wants you to be blessed. And the first thing I want to just shut off right away is, you're not empty. Did you hear me? You are full. So don't give me the excuse, I don't have enough. Because the reality is, spiritually, God would say very clearly to you that you have everything you need spiritually, first and foremost. You have it all. You have it all, amen? Does everyone understand what I mean by that, that you are full? Well, let's look at the words previous to what we read in verse 31 into 32, where it says, Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are being sanctified. Amen? That's the process. You start and you grow. Now, some of us are growing slower and some of us are growing faster, but you are being sanctified, set apart to be more like Jesus. And the reality is, Paul says here to them, by grace, you have been built up. 
So if you come in here and you say, well, ah, you know, I would give more grace to people. I'd give more mercy. Let's start with the spiritual kind of lingo to get you going. I would be more kind if people were kinder to me. You know, you know, if I had more love, I could give more love. If people were kind to me, I could be kind to others. Here's the reality. God has given you everything you need. Amen. That's the reality of what he's saying. His grace, God's unmerited favor, has built you up. You have received and you don't deserve it. What have you received? Forgiveness, love. And shall we continue in Ephesians 1, if you want to turn there? But he says, you have been given all blessings. Not some blessings. You have been given all spiritual blessings. And so this morning, maybe the problem is in our mind and not our pocketbook. Maybe the problem isn't with our time. It's with a reality of understanding all that we do have in Him. It says very clearly again, I'll read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do I hear an amen? Not some spiritual blessing. Folks, you have to understand and believe the truth of Scripture. You have been given all spiritual blessings. He chose you. He predestined you. He adopted you. He redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's given you eternity as your destination. He has filled you with His Holy Spirit. He has given you love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness. It is all in you already because Jesus lives in you. So when I say I don't have anything to give, I don't understand that the living God lives in me. So think of it. You don't got to go to fill up with gas. But what you have to do is access the one who is in you. Because unfortunately, we live in a time where we think we need to have another experience to have more of Jesus. Experiences are great, praise the Lord. (laughs) And I want them. But as you believe in Jesus Christ and trust Him, and His grace is in you, you have everything you need. You are full this morning. You have received your inheritance. Well, pastor, what about heaven? That's the completion of your inheritance. But as you believe in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God lives in you because the King, Jesus Christ, sits on the throne. Now, in time, we're going to get rid of the battle with the flesh, right? And there will be no sin or problem in heaven. But right now, we, we have Jesus. And sometimes I get a little frustrated in myself or people say, well, only when I get to heaven. Only. No, you have access to the Lord Jesus Christ today. And you are full. Now, if you're full, what are you going to do? And that's the question, I think, that we read very clearly in Acts. If you're full, you need to continually be emptying yourself of the goodness that God has given you. These are the words of Jesus. This is the character of Jesus. This is who we are supposed to be. In Ephesians 1, it says, I pray that you would know God. 
that He would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him, because if you know Him, you'll be like Him. That's amazing. That's what we should be praying for each other. That we would have a greater knowledge of God. Because if we know Him, we'll become like Him. And if He's a giver, we'll become a giver. But we're takers. Ever prayed, God, give me more, give me more. Help me, help me, help me. Interesting, very rarely did Jesus pray for Himself. But we'll get into that in a minute. I do want to say this, as we know we're full you got to have a little bit of an outlet, amen? Because you're brimmed up, you're full. You ever put a cup in the sink turned on? And I was, I was watering my garden this morning, and I watered the dogs, and I put the hose in, and I went to get the chicken eggs, and I came back, it was in the bucket, and the water was flowing out of the bucket. Because the hose was pouring it in, it had nowhere to go, so it overflowed. Listen, folks, that's your life. Jesus doesn't shut off. His grace doesn't end. His grace is yesterday, today, and forever. It's past, present, and future. God's grace isn't the only thing that saved you. It's with you today, and it's what's going to give you heaven. The hose doesn't shut off. And it should be overflowing our lives, and that's how we live the blessed life. Because as it flows out of us, He keeps pouring in us. You're called to be a channel. Interesting, I have a little pool. And this year, it's been great. Previous years, it's been bad. You ask why. My pool's supposed to be blue. Oftentimes, it's green. (laughs) I worked so hard to get my pool so clean for that agape on Wednesday, and only one person swam. (laughs) That's how, like, I catch myself. Everyone's going to see how clean my pool is and think I'm an amazing pastor. And then no one swam in it. Anyways, no, one guy, he had one fin. It was great, right? So, But the problem is, in any body of water, if that water isn't moving, right, there's no outlet, it's dead and it grows junk. And that's why you need a filter and a pump, right? And the problem is with my sand filter, I don't know how good it is, and so i got to run it more. And i got to smash that sucker with, like, chemicals. Maybe it's good that no one swam because they might have came out white. But anyways, (laughs) the thing is, there has in a pool to be an inlet. The water's got to come in and go out, and it's got to continually circulate. And if you know your Bible, the Dead Sea has a lot of inlet and no outlet, and that's why it's dead. And that's the problem in our lives. What happens is if we receive all this blessing and there's no giving and no outlet and no thought of others, we get like fat, 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 fat and unhealthy because we're not moving continually in the blessings of God. But then we live in that place and we get dirty and challenged and we're not clean in the way God, He wants us to live in His blessings. But the problem is, if you receive and don't give, there is no joy or continued blessings. And the way He's created you is simply to be that channel to flow through. And forget about money. Let's not talk about that, like I said. Talk about your spiritual gifts, your spiritual time. Let's talk about just giving to others who you are in whatever capacity. Even though it's a sacrifice, you will never, ever say, Oh man, I wasn't blessed for truly giving myself 
or Jesus to others. I'm not saying it's easy in the midst, but after as you look back, I want to encourage you, be in the flow. I was thinking about an air compressor too. You know, you turn on your air compressor, it's got a nozzle at the end. I have one, it makes a big noise. I was going to bring one down, but it's way too loud and too heavy. You turn that thing on, it makes a racket, but it shuts off, right? <sighs> when the, your little tank is full of air. Now, but when you, like, blow up your tire and you put it in and the air exits, it turns on again. Think about that with God. He wants to give you so much more of himself, but you have to give and you're blessed when you see what he does. And it's not you doing it, you're just the channel. And so he gets all the glory. It's like our raspberry. I've got a patch of raspberries that's never produced raspberries. But I went there today. I was watering. Oh, and all the red raspberries. I almost wanted to cry. Raspberries. Sometimes they come in the fall. We get like 15 of them. But there's going to be a bumper crop. At least 100. I don't know. But I thought, I don't do anything. You don't do anything. You know that? I didn't create the sun. I didn't create water. All I had to do was be a channel, throw a little water on it, or plant them in the ground, pick a few weeds. I'm not the power. He's the power. But He uses us. Whatever the example is, air compressors, raspberries, Dead Sea, are you getting the point? He wants you to live in the blessings, but it is you being a continual flow of His Grace through you in your life. And the problem is we're living fat and unhealthy and lives that are full of algae. They're self-focused. It all becomes about us. And God, what can you do for me? I'll give you an example of this, as Jesus would say, with our enemies in Matthew 5, the words of Jesus. Our enemies who possibly have hurt us. Has anyone been hurt before? Come on! It's okay to raise your hand. I think we've all been hurt. And Jesus says this crazy thing. Pray for your enemies and bless them. What? To me, that's giving something they owe me. I'm giving them grace. Amen. That's what he says to do. In prayer, you can bless people. I read a book, yeah, that just blessed people, but the reality is, that's what God says in the Scripture. His heart is to give, our heart should be to give. So when we pray, if it's all focused on us and our problems and our life and our worries and who I am and my body and where I'm going and why is this not happening, you're going to be depressed. But if I flow to others and say, listen, I want to be a blessing and give. You don't think of yourself and it flows, it flows, it flows. And Jesus says, that's it. When you pray for your enemies, don't think about how much you've hurt. Forgive them and bless them. Do you see how it works? Do you understand what Jesus is saying? And the person who can't bless their enemies is not the happy person. They're the angry person. They're the depressed person. They're the distracted person. Prayer, what about our words? Are your words giving or are your words taking? Do you think to encourage or do you think to cut? 
It's all the same thing. It's all giving and not taking. I don't want to take and cut you. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. Is that your speech this morning? Are you a giver through your words to other people? Or are you a taker? It's the same thing when you judge people, you're taking from them. When you esteem them, you're giving to them. And that's why in Philippians 2, Jesus, in his character, the mind of Christ, is to esteem others better than myself. But if I don't and esteem myself as better, I'm taking, pushing down. And God says, that's not what I've called you to. Because happy will you be to give rather than receive. Next time you want a compliment, give one. Next time you want someone to do something for you, do something for them. Because our mind will like, oh, why not? Why? Oh, I, can't, I, can't. I need help. No one's here to help me. You take that attitude and you say, get lost, Satan, and you turn it and say, I'm going to help someone today. How come no one, calls, no one calls me? Call them. I have no friends. Go make some. Go be a blessing. I know in my life, God continually reminds me of that. And God wants to change me. And God wants me to be happy in trusting in him and doing what he says. Because though it's so counter my flesh and counter culture, it's so God in God's way is always the right way. Even though it's the hard way. That's why it's the narrow road. I just want to finish with this. And I, and I pointed to it a little bit before, but do you know it's not only the words of Jesus I want to talk about? It's the character of Jesus. And God and Jesus are always givers. James makes it clear. Who's the giver of all good gifts? Everything good you've received in your life is because of God. Every good thing you've received is because of God. He says it in his word. Mark 10, 45, maybe you've heard this before. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How about that? Not only did he give cash, not only did he give time, he gave his life for you. The ultimate act of love. Like she says in Matthew 16, the idea is, if you lose your life, you'll what? If I'm going to give it away, I'll get it. You know what we live? I need to, my life, my, 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 my. And you're like, oh no, that's not me. Stop looking at other people and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart today. Because the reality is, we all need to change a bit, amen? We all need a little more of Jesus. <laughs> This congregation will become radically different the moment we have the Holy Spirit work in us and we truly become givers and not those who want to receive. And I'm at the top of the list. And the leaders need to be at the top of the list. Amen. This is our God. John 12, if a grain of wheat, what? If it dies, it's going to do what? If I'm going to die to myself and give myself in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will not believe the fruit that comes forth. Because Jesus says, 
happy will you be to give more than receive? I think we need go no further, amen? He has done his work in my life in these words, and I pray in yours. We don't need another great theological explanation. Simply now, it's Holy Spirit, help us to understand we are full of you, and you call us to give ourselves to others, to live in your presence, and to be like Jesus through his power today. Do you believe it? God, would you help us to live it? We have a great privilege then of celebrating the giving God through communion. Amen? For God, what? He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus gave to us by obeying. And we can celebrate and realize that we are free. His grace has forgiven us and empowered us so we can be like Him. So we worship Jesus in communion. You're not here to get all worried and upset what you've done. Join the rest of us. We're all sinners. But what we're celebrating is the cleansing power of Jesus Christ in the blood and that we are set free and that we truly understand His grace. No one has lived a perfect week here. Has anyone, anyone want to say they were perfect this week? Like, I can take communion. I'm perfect now. Baloney. You're taking communion because you're imperfect. And he was perfect. And you're celebrating that you don't have to be perfect because he was. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning. Maybe there's someone in this room who's never committed their life to you. Maybe they've known about you, but they truly haven't confessed with their mouth. The Word of God says very clearly... If we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that we will be saved, if we believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again, we will have eternity. And this morning, I don't know each one in this room. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your belief stands. Maybe it's been traditional. Maybe you've grown up with it. Maybe you've had an idea, but maybe this morning the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I would encourage you. Give your life to Jesus in your heart. Say, I receive your forgiveness. I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to live for you, God. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. But it means that Jesus Christ is with you. He will come and dwell with you. He will live in you. He will give you strength. That grace we talked about, that word that we commend you to will build you up. You will have an inheritance incorruptible, unperishable. You will have eternity. And for the rest of us, we're just here to celebrate that we're forgiven. We're here to look at Jesus and say, man, thank you. Thank you for washing me and making me clean. Make it real to me again and again that it's not about me, it's about you. And we're here to worship you, God. We're here to worship you. Praise you. You've forgiven us. That's why we take communion, to remember. Paul said, remember. Remember what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus did. And that's all we're doing here is we're remembering and praising and worshiping and thanking God. This morning, though, maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing you conviction of sin. Maybe there is something you need to deal with before you take communion. Just turn to God. 
ask for his forgiveness and realize you're forgiven. Confess your sin to him. Even in communion, find someone else. Confess one to another. Be free of that junk. Be reminded that you're forgiven. And go and sin no more. Be refreshed, refueled. Remember. Remember. Randy's going to sing. The elements are in the back, quietly and respectfully, while others are worshiping, and you yourself are thinking of Jesus. You can get the elements and bring them back to your seat. Just think on Jesus. When we're done, the music will partake together. Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, be brothers and sisters in the back during communion as well. Let's just celebrate this morning.